0: Guess who's back? That's right, we're bringing back the Kentucky Fried Politics Podcast. I'm Nick Storm, the founder of Kentucky Fried Politics, and this week I'm talking to George Humphreys, the author of The Fall of Kentucky's Rock, a look into Western Kentucky Democratic politics since the New Deal. So, George, thanks so much for uh, for joining me today. Well, I
1: appreciate it, Nick. Uh, it's nice to be on your program.
0: So, uh, that, you know, you've, you've written this book, uh, of Kentucky's Rock. What, uh, what made you want to peel back the layers of Kentucky history and get into sort of New Deal uh, up to around the 90s of uh, Democratic politics in Kentucky?
1: Well, I guess I saw this project. Uh, I was uh, s- still living in Oklahoma. I'm from Fulton. Which is as far west and south in Kentucky as you can go. Uh, but I, 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 you know, after I, mean, I was born there, but my parents left uh, when I was one. I grew up in Detroit and uh, came back to Kentucky uh, for college and then went on to spend about 25 years working in the Oklahoma legislature. Um, but uh, anyway, my wife and I had decided that we wanted to return to uh, Kentucky and uh, she's from Muhlenberg County. So I, you know, w- we had decided that uh, we would move back here. And uh, I was looking to move uh, around 2000. And I'd written uh, a number of things on Oklahoma politics. I was research director there for uh, over 20 years. So I was you know, in a position to do some writing on the side. And uh, I thought I would like to continue to do you know, another book or you know some research when I came back to Kentucky. And so I was looking around and you know, studying things, and I determined um, that it was very strange, one that uh, almost nothing had been written on Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And two, that there was there were so many governors and important politicians uh, from the region in the 20th century and putting the two and two together. Uh, and I remember having the you know, long discussions or just, you know, not long perhaps, but emails with Al Cross before we moved back in 2004 uh, to talk a little bit about this project. Um, I didn't realize how long it was going to take, what would be involved, but by by twenty twelve, I decided that uh, Western Kentucky really deserved, uh, you know, uh, a, a a more comprehensive treatment. Uh, there are a lot of books on Appalachia, Eastern Kentucky, uh, books on the uh, Golden Triangle, uh, and I felt like Western Kentucky definitely needed needed a uh, to be looked at. And Western Kentucky is very important in, to the state's politics, but people just don't know much about it. So
0: it, it really is. And the, the book is well researched, well written. I uh, love the, the snippets of history in there. Uh, you go into detail on uh, the seven uh, governors that, uh, that have come from, uh, from the Western portion of the state and really detail, uh, you know, really is the democratic machine for, for such a long time in, in West Kentucky. Uh, why do you think that uh, so many uh, prominent uh, governors have, have come in
1: from that portion of the state? Well, part of it has to be the you know the nature of Western Kentucky politics. It was popularly called the uh, uh, democracy of Kentucky, uh, uh, of Kentucky, right? The, right? the Gibraltar, if you will. Right. And so for for decades, uh, you know, for the better part of the 20th century. Um, uh, Western K- Kentucky supplied uh, the bulk of the majorities that helped elect uh, Democratic governors. Uh, so, you know, that had to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and uh, I-, I think that Western Kentucky politicians uh, did a pretty good job of using that clout to elect uh, leaders to, uh, to the Congress and, you know, elect governors and elect, you know, see that they're that their uh, uh you know their colleagues were held high office in the kentucky general assembly
0: so i suppose uh we should define what western kentucky means to you oh, to <laughs> me that, well that's
1: easy okay uh, there are a lot of different uh, descriptions of what western kentucky is and i go into uh, a number of those uh, i'll have to tell you that i had a lot of fun in fact i was uh did a did a a, a a, a podcast with Bill Goodman the other day. And he's from Barron County. Yeah. And uh, uh, uh of course I said well now Barron County you know that's not Western Kentucky in my in my estimation but Warren County uh bowling green uh, uh you know I had a lot of pushback particularly from Al Cross uh who felt like um like bowling green where Warren County was not is not Western Kentucky it's South Central and uh, of course you know, he challenged me. I remember to look at the uh, look at the phone books and, you know, count the listings for Western Kentucky business, whatever, and then those for South Central. Well, they were basically tied. And I said, well, the tiebreaker is the name of the university. <laughs> <laughs> you change the name of Western Kentucky University, and I'll take a uh, I'll take Warren County out of what I consider Western Kentucky. Anyway, I come down and and uh, draw the line from the eastern. Uh, county lines of Hancock, uh, Ohio, Butler, uh, Warren, and Simpson County and everything everything uh, west of that is Western Kentucky. Now I know you've covered uh, uh, General Assembly politics for quite some time and uh, you may know something about the Western Kentucky uh, legislative caucus. It includes everything uh, west of I-65. That takes you right into Elizabethtown. And I said, I just don't see much in common between uh, folks in Elizabethtown and those in Wycliffe or, you know, Paducah. Right, right. And, you know, almost sometimes when I'm writing and
0: I think about it, I think of Bowling Green being in Western Kentucky, as you said, Western Kentucky University is there, but I try and use the modifier West Kentucky to talk about anything near the, the purchase area, everything else.
1: Yeah, or far, far western Kentucky. Right. Yeah, yeah, I got some some feedback that, that I should include the purchase <laughs> in Western Kentucky. I said, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I can say far western Kentucky or uh, the Jackson Purchase, but I just can't. There's no way I cannot include it. You know, the community colleges there is Western Kentucky Community and Technical College. And I mean, I'm from there, I always figured, you know, figured that I was from Western Kentucky. So <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> well, you know, I think for a lot of the, the listeners that that are going to hear this, they're going to want to know about, you know, more the politics of the, the region. Sure. And, you know, looking at, uh, at the state now, it's safe, it's safe to say we're in a Republican state. And, you know, I think the shift from a know, the Democratic stronghold of West Kentucky to the now Republican stronghold. How how do we get there?
1: Um, Originally in my title, and I think I included this in an article I wrote for the uh, Register of the Kentucky Historical Society, the idea of the rise and fall of the Rock of Gibraltar. Yeah. Uh, You know, the uh, uh, University Press of Kentucky took the rise out. Um, so you know it, it. You know it looks like it's mainly about the fall, uh, but th- a lot of the conversations that I've had since a since the book has been out is you know what happened, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and you know uh, I know Bob Babbage before Fancy Farm, uh, Renee Shaw. asked about what happened to Western Kentucky, yeah. you know as far as the transition from. Democrat to uh, to Republican, and he commented that you know people interested in answering that question should read this book. Um, I guess you know, you know, to a certain degree, I would say that Western Kentucky, Democrat or Republican, has always been conservative, and uh, so to a certain degree, and I, I always keep in mind. Something that Ned Breathitt talked about. So long as uh, democratic politics focused on the economics, um, the Democrats had a had a had perhaps an upper hand. Uh, as as politics shifted to social issues, and you know I you know use the shorthand God guns and gays, yeah. uh, then the Republicans were able to chip into uh, the democratic uh, uh, votes. And I think uh, now I will say I had a number of people that want to say, well, the downfall started with uh, desegregation. And I said, wait a minute. Uh, 1954, you have Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, Western Kentucky, in my mind, I, I kind of end my narrative uh, about 1994, when the first and second congressional districts uh, moved from Democrat to Republican, where they have stayed. Well, that's forty years. I, I, I'm not a math major. But that's a long time, uh, and I tend to move it move it uh, um, up to um, the uh, really to the 1970s, uh, late late 60s, early early 70s, with uh, uh, Supreme Court decisions on uh, prayer and school, mm-hmm. um, the Equal Rights Amendment is a major event in Western Kentucky politics, in my mind. Uh, Kentucky was one of the early states to ratify uh, the Equal Rights Amendment, but but there was a major uh, movement that took place that uh, uh, with leadership coming out of Owensboro and Mayfield to rescind that vote. It took several years, took about, I think, about six years, but the General Assembly eventually uh, rescinded ratification on the Equal Rights Amendment. Well, that energized a lot of people and they went in, you know, uh, continued on to be involved in the abortion uh, movement and, uh, you know, the Second Amendment issues, and, you know, a host of other things related to uh, religion. And of course, that in more recent years, uh, gay rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you've talked about it before. I mean, you've got uh, in
0: 1992... Uh, President Clinton coming through yes. the western portion of the state uh, you know, just before the election and, and making on sure. On the eve of the election. Right. He
1: appeared and you know, made a campaign stop on the eve of the election uh, in Paducah.
0: Right, yeah. right. So, you know, it, it sort of feeds in then, you know, 92, then a couple of years later, 94, uh, you know, sort of your your marker for sort of the end of uh, of, of democratic,
1: democratic control really in the, in the region. I yeah. Certain- I, I think Mitch McConnell de- deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, you know, he was the mastermind, uh, the sort of wizard of Oz behind the scenes, uh, behind behind the scene that, uh, you know, kind of, uh, pulled the strings that allowed, uh, uh, in the second congressional district where, uh, longtime house, Uh, House uh, Democrat uh, William Natcher had recently died. And in the runoff, uh, or the special election for that seat, uh, McConnell nationalized the the congressional race and and the Republican won that. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they did the same thing. So, you know, same, same playbook, I guess, was used in the first congressional district. And, you know, since that time, both seats have been solidly in the you know, Republican. Mm-hmm. And you do have some congressional
0: redistricting during that that time as
1: well. Yes. Yeah. I think, uh, and, and I, I think it was, a, a, in my mind, it was a mistake for Democrats not to have put Davis County in the, after the 1990 census in the first congressional district. Mm-hmm. I know in Owensboro, uh, use, they hope to use Natchez's clout. Uh, to get a bridge, uh, and they got the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> but Natcher died soon, soon after that, and um, you know the Democrats, you know, paid it, paid a heavy price. I think uh, um, by having moving Western Kentucky instead of north into Owensboro, mm-hmm. uh, which would have been a little, you know, would have been more evenly evenly divided. I would say at that point they went. Uh, down along the Tennessee River, deep, deep and deeper into Republican strongholds. Mm.
0: And it's interesting that, you, you know, you bring up that McConnell connection, and a lot of people give McConnell a lot of credit. Now, you know, there's a, a movement, as you indicated, <clears throat> up and through the 70s, where you sort of have, and I think the factionalization that you talk about, like starting with the Chandler and Ruby LaFoon, uh, yes. you know, going all the, all the way back, but you uh, you know, you do have you know this this shift around the '70s, and McConnell comes in what in '85, 80, uh, and you know, and starts starts to amass power and can probably see some of these these pieces shift.
1: Yeah, uh, one of the interesting things that uh, that uh, along the way dealing with Mitch McConnell is how much how much uh, 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 credit do you give him for what happened in Western Kentucky? I had an interesting conversation. I, I'm not sure I can give you the you know the definitive answer there, but uh, I had a conversation with Larry Forgy, uh, who was Republican from uh, from down in, in uh, Lewisburg, just south of where I live. And uh, um, you know, of course, he was he ran uh, ran for governor. You know, came close to winning in 1992. But uh, Forgy uh, was the campaign chair, Kentucky campaign chair for. Uh, Ronald Reagan, and he gives Reagan, you know, the credit. So I don't, I, you know, uh, I, I think Reagan deserves a certain amount of credit, you know, for helping to turn, uh, you know, uh, to, to um, putting energy into the Kentucky Republican Party. But do you
0: think, given how sort of geographically isolated the portion of the state is, not having that uh, anyone really, uh, you know, emerging at a statewide figure from uh, Western Kentucky now? Do you think Republicans uh, should look at the, the history of the state and see the sort of places where Democrats have slipped up, and maybe pay more attention to that portion of the state, or uh, or maybe not? Are there enough votes there now to, to to make a ton of difference?
1: I think that Republicans should look at um, should look at trying to reward Western Kentucky at the end of the book, you know, I, I, I bring that issue up and say that, uh, uh, you know, if you look at Western Kentucky right now, you have only one um, Democrat from Western Kentucky, Patty Minner from Bowling Green in the General Assembly. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I would give, try to, try to, to give, re, in other words, try to reward Western Kentucky for its loyalty to the party. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I am uh, somewhat concerned, um, and maybe Republicans could look at, you know, what Democrats did with their clout. Um, And, you know, I guess I I, I feel that Republicans aren't using their potential clout to benefit the region enough. You know, in the past, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, uh, you know, Democrats, uh, worked hard to get, you know, to, you know, to build the roads, uh, get the bridges, uh, you know, develop the state parks, um, you know, bring in colleges, uh, a number of, of, of issues like that where the uh, where the Western Kentucky Legislative Caucus, you know, use their clout in the General Assembly to get things done. And, and I don't see the same thing going on right now.
0: We talked very briefly, before we start recording this, about the first congressional district map now, uh, now stretches, yep. the, you know, kind of makes a makes a U and comes back up into Franklin County from uh, from Western Kentucky. Uh, you know, being over there, what does that uh, what's that say to you about uh, Republicans in the General Assembly and even the, the congressman from that region, Jamie Comer, uh, wanting to, to represent those folks?
1: Well. <laughs> Right now, I'm, I, I, you know, Muhlenberg County is in the third, uh, is in the uh, second congressional district. So, um, but I, you know, it, I'm just baffled that uh, uh, that Western Kentucky has lost. I mean, if you look at it historically until, um, well, it, you know, until 1994, uh, the congressman from the first congressional district came from the Jackson Burgess. Uh, it moved It moved uh, a little east to Hopkinsville, uh, but with Comer, you go all the way to Tompkinsville. And then, of course, he moved to, you know, uh, I assume he, you know, because he moved to Frankfurt, right. the first congressional district was drawn uh, to try to catch up with his, with where he lived. Uh, um, but I just don't see I don't see any commonality in interest between uh, folks living in the in in, uh, in Franklin County and folks living in Fulton or uh, you know McCracken County. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's you know it is
0: interesting, and maybe there could be a, a Republican governor that, that at some point comes from uh, from West Kentucky, uh, and you know I, th- I think you mentioned in the history that we actually have had a a, a Western Kentucky a Republican. Yeah.
1: I'm glad you brought that up. I had made a couple of notes on that. Yes, we've had one uh, Republican governor from Western Kentucky. Didn't last very long, <laughs> and uh, uh, that was William S. Taylor uh, from from uh, uh, Morgantown over in, uh, in Ohio County. And uh, he was elected in a very close, very controversial race uh, when he beat William, William Goble for governor. And, and um, those of you, of your, of your listeners who are, you know, well-versed in Kentucky politics might remember that uh, he was eventually replaced after basically less than two months uh, when the, when the General Assembly, um, you know, removed him from office. And of course, William, William Goble was, quote, assassinated. Although I'm not, I've, I've always wondered, you know, how do you, if he was not governor, he was not governor right. when he shot. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, we popularly call it the only state that ever had a governor assassinated. Right. Um, now, I also mentioned that Larry Forge came very, very close to beating uh, 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 Governor Patton in 1992. So, uh, that was a that that was a close, uh, hard-fought race, and uh, you know of, I kind of, you know, you know, in my interview with forgie he felt like he could have won had he gotten more support from certain powerful uh, Republican uh, politicians. Oh, that's
0: interesting. That's yeah, a, he-
1: Did name uh, Yeah, <laughs> uh, Mitch McConnell, you yeah. know, and uh, uh, I remember during the interview, and I, you know, it, it's, it's at the Louis B. Dunn uh, Oral History Center, and I, I said, you know, Mr. Forge, this is. Hey, be recorded. <laughs> it happened in that 92 race.
0: I don't know, I mean, we, we cut out. So you, you, uh, you had mentioned, uh, I lost the internet connection for a second. So you mentioned that you reminded uh, Larry that uh, the interview was being recorded for posterity.
1: Yeah. yeah, From his from his obituaries, I, I I get the sense that he was a very uh, candid person <laughs> in, his, in his comments. <laughs> but yeah, I, he he didn't he didn't apologize or ask me to, you know, to uh, erase them or anything. So, but uh, you know, I, I I would like to uh, you know in, in this regard when we're talking about these these stories, one of the things I. I tried to do, and I hope to write something uh, about this and about Kentucky's politics being the damnedest. Yeah, um, I don't know if you saw that in my introduction, but uh, yes, yes, uh, you know, and you know, listeners may have heard this comment that uh, it comes from 1902, um, uh, you know, a poem called "In Kentucky" uh, that was, of course, written right after the uh, uh, the. the uh, um, a global assassination that we were just talking about. But, uh, you know, I guess I've taken exception or I take exception to the idea of Kentucky's politics being uh, the damnedest. Um, as I mentioned before, I re- you know have written several things on Oklahoma politics, mm-hmm. but we never had anybody assassinated. But in the first 50 years of Oklahoma's history, uh, we removed uh, two governors by impeachment. So, yeah, yeah. Two governors, for, you know, impeachment. Two governors peached, Equal one governor assassinated, uh, and, and that doesn't even count the uh, politics that you know. Uh, you know the the uh, interesting politics of states like states like Louisiana or Illinois or New York. Uh, I don't know how you would really measure uh, whether Kentucky's politics are the damnedest. They're very interesting. Now, you know, and and I. I, I, I dip into that uh, in a number of places uh, uh, you know to but I, but I guess I, I'm more having worked in politics for such a long time I'm more interested in what comes out you know in terms of right. um, you know what what how the, how the politics helps to move the state mm-hmm. but can as we,
0: we look at how the politics can move the state, uh, what after doing the, the history here, what can you say about single party rule? Uh and, and the way it seems like you know, the General Assemblies are now controlled by Republican super majorities the way that once Democratic majorities once ran the General Assembly. What can we what can we look back on history and, and,
1: and see happening now because of that? Um that's a good question. And and I I I I guess um there, there are some things I've written a little bit about this. Uh, the, the Constitution, I think, works against the two parties um, coming together to find consensus. Uh, you know, as, as you're aware, aware um, you know, it only takes a simple majority to pass bills, um, you know, simple majorities to what override vetoes. Uh, we are outliers on, on that issue, Kentucky is. In most states, you, you know, a, a, a 60% um, threshold or, you know, in Oklahoma, we had two-thirds to override a veto. I think, you know, I, I think, you know, higher thresholds that way would, would force uh, people from both parties to come together to, to work on legislation. Um, I think that would be a good thing.
0: Yeah, well, of course, good luck getting the politicians to rein themselves in and, and pass a law like that or put it on. Yeah, the <laughs> well, they
1: exactly, you're right. You know, uh, you know, a lot of states, of course, have the initiative and referendum. We had that out in Oklahoma. A lot, a lot of the Western states, uh, you know, came in with the initiative of referendum and, you know, many with recall. Uh, I remember, you know, in, in the past, you know, touching base with a number of Kentucky legislators, who thought that would be a good idea for Kentucky? But uh, I don't think legislative leaders, uh, Democrats or Republicans, really want those those in Kentucky. And to a certain extent, I think it's a shame. I think uh, you know. I think you know. I think that uh, uh, voters should have more say on what uh, what what you know what happens in the General Assembly. I
0: want to leave you with a any final thoughts that you have? Uh, Of course, I want everybody that's listening to this to to pick up the book, anybody that's interested in uh, Kentucky state politics. This is a a must-read. The history here is is vital and important, but uh, George, any any last thoughts?
1: Well, I I think that I'd make a, 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 you know, somewhat of a pitch for, you know, looking at uh, the importance of regions in in Kentucky, excuse me. Um, uh, You know, they, you, you know, you've heard the phrase, all politics are local. Well, uh, you know, particularly in Kentucky, the, I, you know, uh, the counties have been called little kingdoms. Uh, the regions are very important. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that I found um, is that in, in looking at Western Kentucky um, and, you know, trying to categorize what Kentucky was the 20th century, that, you know, come away, that if you take Western Kentucky out of the equation, Uh, Kentucky was really a toss-up state. Uh, You know the large majorities um, that Democrats received in Western Kentucky um, won elections. You take those majorities out, and the Republicans would have won a number of of gubernatorial elections, a lot more than they did in the you know as as, you know with Western Kentucky. And uh, so I think you know. you know, I, I guess I take exception with uh, uh, with those historians that talk about this and that in Kentucky who uh, who ignore uh, or overlook the differences in the various regions.
0: Oh yeah, I, such a diverse state. From you know, we do have the coal fields in both the east and west, but just yeah. the you know regionality is is you know, eastern Kentucky is really nothing like uh, western Kentucky and. You know, the, you know, get sort of outside the Golden Triangle and and you really are in, in two different states.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I guess one of the things that uh, I pointed out is that, uh, or point to, and it's not original with me, but uh, uh, the idea of when Kentucky became Southern and a lot of people want to say, well, it wasn't until after the Civil War. And I say, well, you know, that's not true in Western Kentucky. You know, Western Kentucky was... I mean, not solidly Confederate, but uh, you know, certainly far Western Kentucky. The Jackson Purchase was right, and, right. Uh, so it, it's it's not after the Civil War; it's not 1900 when Western Kentucky becomes became Southern. Mm-hmm. It, it was Southern to begin with. Right,
0: right. Well, I, George, I really appreciate your time, and, uh, and and again, everybody, go out if you haven't already. Uh, fall of uh, Kentucky's Rock.
1: Very good to you. Thanks so much. Well, thanks, Nick. It's nice to be on your program. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following all the Frankfort gossip and news on KentuckyFried.com.